0: Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point.
1: Welcome to The Point, an opinion show coming to you from Beijing. I'm Li Xin. Is U.S. President Joe Biden in trouble? We learned this Monday that classified documents had been found at a former office used by him in Washington, D.C., right before the midterm elections last year. He was using the office after leaving the Obama administration as vice president. Late in the week, it turned out that a second batch of classified documents was found in his private home. Now, U.S. Attorney General has assigned the U.S. Attorney in Chicago to investigate the matter. It's unsure whether there will be criminal investigation but what looks potentially like a scandal has drawn criticism from Republicans the president and the White House have yet to comment on the matter so what would they explain how would they explain that and uh, how far could the story go I'm pleased to be joined by Brandon Blackburn Dwyer president of grasshopper strategies from uh, Philadelphia. I'm pleased to be joined in the middle of the night by Harvey Zodin, research, a Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, a think tank. Thank you very much for joining me at this inconvenient hour. And last but not least, uh, Margaret Kimberly, On the Line Executive Editor and Senior Columnist of Black Agenda Report, an online platform that provides news commentary and analysis re- representing the Black Left. So, welcome to all of you on the point. So the US uh, Presidential Records Act uh, says that establishes that presidential records automatically transfer into the legal custody of the archivist as soon as the president leaves office. It also requires that vice presidential records be treated in the same way as presidential records. So Harvey, uh, help us understand the potential legal implications of the revelations.
2: Well, it's clear um, that uh, Biden uh, did have some documents, but I would say that uh, you have to compare and contrast this case with uh, how President Trump behaved. The reason is that uh, when Biden's uh, documents were discovered at his uh, University of Pennsylvania think tank, the National Archives, the Custodian of Records and the Justice Department uh, were immediately called. And the same for a few days later when uh, more documents were discovered at Biden's home. So yes, uh, it seems to, if you look at the terms of the law, it seems to be a violation of the law. But in Biden's case, um, he seems to have done everything that he could do after the fact to cooperate uh, with the powers that be. That's so different from Trump's case. Trump. had, uh, oh, hundreds of documents that he kept. He said they were his documents. He, uh, or his people lied, his lawyers lied and saying that all the documents were released and so on. So it took uh, FBI raid and FBI visits to Mar-a-Lago to get those documents. And I don't think there's any surety yet that all of Trump's documents have been uh, given up to the National Archives. So right. yes. in short, both, both the people, have liability. But I think uh, it's a a matter of not apples and oranges, but apples and apples. So Golden Delicious and Granny Smith. But the Trump's in much bigger trouble than Biden legally. But politically, you have to also say that Biden's now in trouble because this is a great diversion for Biden. And the Republicans are going to turn this into a, a game, into a circus. And they already have started to do that.
1: Brendan, another key question here is uh, why it's reported that the Biden administration Seem to have waited over two months to make it public, or that it went public, whether they made it public or not. And uh, Biden's attorneys found the classified documents in in November last year, which is less than a week prior to the midterm elections. Although his attorneys voluntarily turned in the document over uh, the day after finding them, what do you make of the timing or the, the the delay? of uh, the revolution or the disclosure of uh, the discovery to the public? I, I think it kind of goes to your first question. Uh, you know, What's the legal
3: implication versus what's the public opinion implication? From a legal perspective, uh, the way this seems to have been handled by the Biden administration was completely the right way to do it. Um, this isn't usually something that needs to be disclosed to the public. Um, it isn't necessarily something that we would quote unquote cover up. But when you're talking about a handful of classified documents, that there hasn't been an assessment about how damaging they are, or were they really at risk, or were they literally just, you know, in a stack of papers that somebody left an office with, and one in the middle was a classified one, that is usually an administrative uh, dealing. You know, whether you're a low-level staffer at the CIA, or the Pentagon, or whether you're the vice president, literally there'd be an administrative review. What was the risk? What was the document? Was there any ill intent? And basically, you just get a, hey, please don't do that. I'm glad they're back. And that was what the uh, Biden administration and, their, and his private lawyer seemed to have treated this as. So there wasn't a need or a responsibility to report it to the public from a legal perspective. And in the end, it was CBS News that uncovered this story, forcing this into the public eye, which is exactly what media is supposed to do. From a public opinion perspective, this is going to be one of the talking points for the Republicans. They're going to say, oh, they covered it up. Oh, you know, they delayed too long. Um, I would tend to agree that this is an administrative matter. Um, the compare and contrast is obviously, well, why was it so public with President Trump? And that issue really only became public after President Trump refused repeatedly to cooperate with run of the mill requests from the National Archivist, then a subpoena, then, you know, threats about a raid and then needing for a raid that that really only elevated to a public concern once President Trump dug in his heels. So with President Biden and his private attorneys cooperating from the beginning, this should have been or could have been handled just on an administrative level of a great, we did a threat assessment, we looked at these, no ill intent or presumably no ill intent, I don't wanna get ahead of the investigation and it would have just been sort of handled, uh, shall we say, offstage.
1: Margaret, Margaret on the line, what is your take of, whether there is any other reason that we only know about the case um now the uh, you know months after the documents were discovered uh, were any possible consideration given to not to influence public opinion right before the midterm elections
4: uh, well we're guessing of course but i would say that that's quite plausible Uh, This has to have been, this is embarrassing for the Biden administration. Uh, This whole issue was, uh, it was portrayed as something that was unique to uh, Donald Trump, something only he would do. Uh, Once again, Trump treated as this outlier who does things that no other president does. And uh, for Biden to have been found in the same circumstance of having documents he should not have had, in uh, uh, his office or in his home, it lessens the case against Trump. But politically, I don't think it will matter. I think most uh, uh, people have made up their minds about how they feel about both men, uh, and those people who uh, want to scorn Trump are going to do so anyway, and people who will pretend to defend Biden will still defend him. But I think the lesson here is, despite those things that do make Trump different from uh, other presidents, it is uh, not wise to act as if he's this terrible outlier and he does these things that no one else does, because whether inadvertent or not, this was something Biden should not have done. He and his staff were not following the law, were not following the Uh, Public Records Act, which is why late today, uh, the attorney general General appointed a special
1: prosecutor. Mm. How far would the story go, Harvey, uh, according to your understanding? I mean, uh, definitely the Republicans will seize the opportunity to try to find as much accountability and transparency as possible and those who have made up their mind about biden will not let this case go easily what is your take on the possible lengths this is going or the noise the the the, the scale of the noise
2: i think this is just another element ken of what the republicans are planning to do in the house of representatives now that they have uh, control by a few votes and you know 149 years ago, the Republicans adopted the symbol of the elephant as the symbol of their party. And I think this is a very timely thing now because uh, what the Republicans are going to do and have said they're going to do and are starting to do, and this is just going to be one element of it, is to create a political and media circus. The problem with this circus is that there's not going to be uh, a bunch of men or women who are going to be cleaning up after the elephants in that circus. So we're going to have uh, a showtime for 24 months now uh, by the Republicans trying to demonize uh, Biden, Biden's son, the papers, a lot of issues that uh, most of which are not very consequential. So I think this is just another piece of uh, ammunition for them. But I think it's the most inconsequential piece. And I think that it's also very sad that when United States and China should be working together to be uh, tackling climate change and to go after pandemics. and. Uh, international public health that the Republicans are focused on creating this circus. It doesn't bode well for America. It doesn't bode, bode well for the world. And frankly, I'm worried about the paralysis and uh, yeah. of the next uh, two years.
1: Another angle to look at this really, uh, if you are holding one of the highest offices in the united states which is one of the highest offices most powerful places in the world you are going to behave according to the highest standards both morally ethically administratively you know in terms of abiding by the rules could it have been that he just forgot or that his staff just out of negligence or incompetence didn't handle this well regardless of partisan politics will there be transparency will there be accountability brandon i
3: think there will be accountability uh, based along from a legal perspective based along you know precedent and uh i agree with you if you're president you're vice president uh your former president you should be held to a higher standard we should not brush this under the rug we should not just say oh it's fine that he he did this it's technically against the law it is a threat, you know, it is classified documents. Even if we talk about classified documents, not all needing to be classified, still classified documents, still the rules, right? People make mistakes, large organizations, tons and tons of boxes, people make mistakes. I was listening to an expert today talking about the, the extent of, you know, Pentagon staffers that accidentally take home a classified document, you know, once every once in a while. These things happen. I, I'm not saying that they're, they're not wrong and people have been fired over it, but other people have just been given a slap on the wrist. So. A lot of the question will come down to, is, is this a slap on the wrist situation or is this more serious? And that will come down to what's in the documents, I believe. And if there's ever any in discovery of an intent to deceive either by President Trump or President Biden in this circumstance. In that case, we then get into more serious accountability. But what we should say from a legal perspective is this is mostly an administrative problem.
1: All right. Well, that is according to the prosecutor. Yeah, that is. Sorry, go ahead. I yeah, that is according to the information and uh, the information that is accessible for now and also our personal opinion. Speculation may be a little bit as well for the moment. But many thanks to my guests, Brandon Blackburn Dwyer, President of Grasshopper Strategies, Harvard Zoding Research Fellow at the Center for China and uh, Globalization, and on the line, Margaret Kimberly, Executive Editor and Senior Columnist of Black Agenda Report. We'll take a short break. And when we come back, the United States reiterates that China is the greatest challenge to the United States in the year 2023. Where does that lead us in the new year? Stay with us.
0: Making room for all opinions and seeing events from more than one side. This is The Point.
1: China-US relations were far from rosy in 2022, and we can expect 2023 to be pretty much the same, according to many media reports. The biggest challenge Competitor. These are the words we often hear from the US to describe China, and US Secretary of State Anthony Blinken called China the greatest shared strategic challenge facing the United States and its allies this Wednesday, which is 11 days into the new year. Yet, Despite much negativity, China's former ambassador to the United States and now Foreign Minister Qing Gang said in a published article that the future of the entire planet depends on a healthy and stable China U.S. relationship. He also said he left the U.S. more convinced that the door to China U.S. relations will remain open and cannot be closed. Could he be wrong? Will U.S. policy and attitude toward China go down a rabbit hole in China? The coming year of the rabbit. I'm pleased to be joined again from Vienna, Austria, by Harvey Zoding, research fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, of think tank. He was political appointee in the Carter administration. Here in the studio, I'm joined by Victor Gao, chair professor, at Sucho University, and uh, gentlemen, welcome to the point. So the US House of Representatives let's start with the very latest created the select committee on the strategic competition between US and the Chinese Communist Party on Tuesday it was a uni- it was an overwhelming vote all Republicans voted for it great majority of Democrats voted for it some are saying that uh, it is uh, going to be McCarthyism 2.0 Harvey how do you see it?
2: Uh, I think with Kevin McCarthy, I think uh, we will have McCarthyism 2.0, harking back to this terrible period in American history in the 1950s when a senator from Wisconsin uh, accused uh, many people, mostly falsely, of being communists who had positions in the government. Um, But it's nothing new. And so this is just a continuation but uh, this combines two elements the uh, sad elements of american history one of the elements is how uh, asian people specifically chinese people were demonized in america and uh, during the period and uh, after uh the civil war and uh, we call it uh, we call it the yellow peril and then there's the second period later Uh, about the red peril. So we put those two things together. Um, These are bombshells in Washington. And unfortunately, these days, uh, as I'm sure Victor would agree, the only issue that seems to unite Democrats and Republicans across the aisle in this very fractured government Mm -hmm. is uh, demonizing China and trying to encircle China and prevent China's uh, peaceful right. rise, And uh, I, I think it's a recipe for disaster.
1: Chinese Foreign, Minis- Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbing responded on Wednesday saying, we hope the relevant U.S. politicians view China and bilateral ties in an objective and reasonable light proceed from the US's own interests and the common interests of China and the US and head toward the same direction with China and promote the development of uh, China US relations based on mutual respect peaceful coexistence and win-win cooperation Victor you just got back from the United States how is China going to react to the creation of such committee knowing that a total of 6 China task forces, so-called, are now operational under the Biden administration.
0: Yes, I just came back from a visit to Washington, D.C. and New York. I'm firmly convinced that in Washington, there are very hostile forces against constructive relations between China and the United States. And if you really analyse why there is such a level of hysteria in Washington against China, I think we really need to go to uh, greater depths. Now, does the United States worry that China will steadily continue to develop? If they worry about that, then I think their worries are not only misplaced, and it is really does not serve any constructive purpose for the United States at all. Why? Because China will continue to develop. No force in the world can stop it. Now, does Washington really worry that once China continues to develop, whether China will replace the United States as the next superpower in the world, whether China will squeeze the United States out from the world stage or from the center of the world stage. If they worry about that, then this worry will be completely misguided because China will not deal with any other country as if China is above it, and China wants to deal with all the countries, including the United States, as an equal. Therefore, I think Washington really Need to analyze things in objectivity and in decency rather than see China as an enemy, because if they really want to see China as an enemy, then this will really be the end of stability, tranquility in the world. We need to Never do whatever less, we can to restore normal relations right. between China and the United States. Nevertheless,
1: US Secretary of State Anthony Blinken as I said at the beginning of the New year, that China is the quote-unquote greatest shared strategic challenge that we, meaning the United States, and our allies and partners face. Uh, Harvey, is such doubt and fear really justifying what specific measures does the United States intend to take vis-a-vis China in 2023? Can you envision any specific steps for us at this moment?
2: Uh, In terms of very specific, uh, not so much, but I think in terms of uh, general that the United States will continue to try to uh, align its allies, uh, whether they're willing allies or not, uh, with their policy of uh, basically economically encircling China. And I believe that they'll ramp up... uh, uh, the measures that they've started to take already in terms of denying China uh, various technologies such as chip technologies uh, and others. And I believe also that there'll be um, a lot uh, more potential confrontation uh, in and around the Taiwan Strait. I think that uh, the freedom of operation, freedom of uh, navigation operations are going to continue by the US and its allies. So I think it's going to be uh, more of the same, but just a lot more. And I believe that I believe that there's also uh, an animus for this because now the Democrats have to try to outcompete the crazy Republicans uh, for who uh, wants to bash China more.
1: Victor, from your trip in the United States, what is the point, the focal point of uh, all the voices, you know, hawkish about China? For instance, uh, after the war in Ukraine, we heard a lot of uh, Ukraine today, Taiwan tomorrow. Is that what you're hearing the most at this moment? And uh, what it is 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 expected under a Republican majority Congress?
0: Well, first of all, if we look at the situation in Washington, the Congress is in a deadlock because of the Republican control of the House of Representatives and the uh, Democratic control of the Senate. That means President Biden's administration for the last two years of his first term will be a lame duck president. Now, this is actually more dangerous for uh, China. Why? Because if the President of the United States really cannot really shape the domestic situations in the United States, he and his administration may actually spend more time on foreign policy and on the military side of the equation. And there is indeed very much of a consensus in Washington between the Republicans as well as the Democrats about anti-China hostility towards China. But I personally believe this kind of hostility is misplaced when Blinken said China is the fundamentalist, fundamental challenge to the United States, what does China challenge the United States about? Does China's steady growth mean a challenge to the United States? If the United States really believes that, then the United States is wrong in its belief. And Beijing and Washington really need to engage each other in a straightforward talk about what does you mean? What do you mean by challenging you?
1: What is the idea of... Uh of the american people that you've met victor how do they feel about this issue i mean um minister, minister chingang said that he has the impression that the american people are broad-minded friendly and hard-working and both of these people want uh, a healthy relationship in terms of in terms of that is the congress capturing or representing the will of the people the great majority of them
0: I don't think this kind of anti-China hostility represents the fundamental interest or the views of the people in the United States. And I completely agree with Foreign Minister uh, Qin Gang, who was Uh, when I was in the United States, still the Chinese ambassador there. Now, I visited quite a few uh, drug stores in Washington, in New York, and I still saw many products like thermometer, all kinds of PPT, for example, made in China. It means that the trade and cooperation between China and the United States are not only good for the Chinese people, but definitely good for the American people. So I hope politicians in Washington can really analyze the fundamental interests of the American people and uh, really navigate through china u.s relations for the benefit of the american people as well as for the chinese people a zero-sum game a cold war mentality will not be in the fundamental interest of the american people
1: Um, harvey to wrap up um we don't want the tragedy of the cold war to repeat um it was not good for either either camp it was not good for the for the for the whole world now china in my understanding is trying to avoid playing the game that the united states is trying to play Uh, with china trying to show as much sincerity as much goodwill uh, can the u.s really continue with pushing through the, the the cold war game that they seem to be playing
2: i believe unfortunately for at least the next two years that they can And I worry about uh, the presidential elections um, and in two years because uh, it's likely not that Trump will be elected president, but that a Trump with a brain who's much more dangerous like Mike Pompeo or somebody like that would be elected. And I think that uh, then there would be a heightened crisis and I wouldn't want to predict how that could go. I think back to the time When uh, President Xi Jinping and uh, President Barack Obama met and President Xi uh, proposed a new model of great power relations, which basically means that the U.S. and China would work together, that one country doesn't have to be uh, the leader of the world, but this could be and should be a shared responsibility. But we're far away from that now. I believe if we could get back to that. I believe if we could reinstitute the strategic and economic dialogues that we used to have, that were so fruitful between China and America, and discuss issues that mm-hmm. uh, are of both All national right. interest of both countries. Then okay. we can succeed.
1: All right, we have to leave it there. Many thanks to Harvey Zoding joining us from Vienna, Austria, and Victor Gao joining us here in the studio. With that, we come to the end of this edition of The Point with Me Luchin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Luchin in Beijing. You've got the point.